Happy to have back on the program Robert Zimmerman, who is running for Congress, New York's third congressional district, uh, House seat on Long Island in Nassau County, someone who has a long history of fighting for issues and has worked tirelessly for democratic values as a political strategist, also someone who had been led, had led some of the reform uh, at the Democratic National Committee and nominated by President Clinton to serve at the JFK Center for Performing Arts, President Obama to serve on the National Council on the Humanities. A lot of issues we're going to talk about in this election. I want you to go to his website, ZimmermanForCongress.com, and check him out and help him out. Also, at Zimmerman for NY, for New York. Robert Zimmerman, welcome back to the program. It is great to be with you, Michelangelo. I am just enjoying your success and just following the tremendous impact you're having. And it's it's so important. Oh. So I'm just thrilled to be with you. That's Thanks so much. nice of you to say. I, I, I remember when you came on. I remember when you came out uh, as gay and... Uh, another powerful voice out there uh, of someone who is so much in the public eye, and now you're running for Congress. What made you say, I have to do this uh, in, in my community on Long Island? Or as most of my friends said to me, what the hell is your problem? You know, what, <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, you put it very well, Michelangelo. I have, I've, been t- I've taken a great deal of pride in my life um, standing up for others, uh, working to elect more LGBTQ plus candidates, uh, working to elect more women, um, working on public policy matters. And, you know, when the seat opened up, when the incumbent congressman chose to seek another office and opened up the seat. Uh, Representative I, Tom Swosey, who's Tom Swasey, done enormous work. Yeah. Yeah. And is retiring. Bottom line is my friends called me and Met, and I really, it really came down to this. It was time for me to step up for myself. All the issues that brought me into public life and political activism are on the line for the country and in my district. There, I, this is a district I've grown up in. I've lived in since I was nine years of age. Went to our public schools, built my business there, worked for members of Congress representing this district. I felt if I didn't step up for myself now, I never would. It was time for me to, I guess, take a deep breath and get in the room where it happens. And I made the move took the leap and I've not looked back, won the Democratic nomination in a five-person race, finished first in every part of the district. And now I'm excited to tell you that we're marked as a lean Democratic seat by Charlie Cook and a favored Democratic seat by Nate Silver's 538 report. And all that means is I need help now more than ever because unless I have the turnout and the support and the resources to keep it going, it could easily slip away, but we're on our way. And we're getting there, but in a very tough year. So it's and, and and we know that Republicans are pouring tons of money into races, including in New York and Connecticut, uh, and Rhode Island and elsewhere. Uh, and they want to make inroads, certainly uh, in Long Island in uh, this district. So yeah, uh, people should go and certainly uh, check out and and help out at ZimmermanForCongress.com. Uh, I was uh, visiting my mom, my mother. Uh, who is 84, and we were, I was visiting her uh, at her house in Staten Island, uh-huh. and um, of course she has a giant TV in the living room, <laughs> and, of course. and there you were, 
uh, on television, this was on Sunday, debating your opponent, uh, who is also openly gay, George Santos, the Republican candidate. And we both were sitting there like, what business does this guy have supporting Donald Trump as a gay man? Well, you know, I mean, it gets worse than that. It's worse than that. I mean, on the one hand, you know, I, when when he became the nominee, he'd run two years previously. OK, here was an openly gay man running for Congress. And what was really alarming to me was the fact that not just that he was supporting Donald Trump, which is offensive enough, but he's been a leading voice against the don't say gay legislation, uh, supporting the don't say gay legislation. Right. He uses words like groomer, you know, the most offensive homophobic type of rhetoric. And of course, if you look at his Twitter site, when Marjorie Taylor Greene, the QAnon Congresswoman was being denounced by even Republicans for her racist, divisive behavior, he tweeted out his support of her, said he was proud to call her a friend and liked her more than most Republicans. Now, putting aside the psychological issues that I'm not gonna get into, just as a matter of public policy, uh, the fact that here's a, here's a, here's a you know, it's, this race has become much bigger than just like two gay people are running. The issue is who's standing up for the LGBTQ plus community and his support of homophobic hate mongers like Marjorie Taylor Greene or his other big endorsement was Matt Goetz, who endorsed right. him as well. Um, that says a lot about the challenges facing um, our community, the challenges are facing what uh, we face that we address so many issues. Quick example, on January 6th, he attended the Stop the Steal rally, actually proudly said in an interview, praised Donald Trump's speech in an interview when Republican leaders said that his speech was inciting a riot. He defended Donald Trump's speech and actually said on a video that he was paying the legal fees for these insurrectionists to get a lot of them out of jail. And in fact, uh, in, in fact, defended their right to be in the Capitol. This is all a video he put out. Right. And, and every time you pointed every one of these things out to him uh, in that in that debate, uh, he denied it. And he said, you were a liar, but the receipts are there. You can find the them. The receipts are there. And this is, this is the tactic you're seeing from the far right. They can't defend their record because it's indefensible. So the answer then is to lie about it. For example, uh, he advocates a national ban on abortion. He did that two years ago. He wanted to prosecute, he advocates prosecuting doctors and advocated no exceptions, said women would use rape as an excuse to to have an abortion. And now, of course, he says, well, it's a state's rights issue. And he's changed. He's trying to, he never said any of those things before. We have the receipts. He got the, the tweets, the videotapes, right. the rhetoric, the, the interviews. Oh, uh, yeah. But this is, um, this is the tactic of the right now. And it's, it's, worth, it's also worth remembering that when they get done playing this card, they're going to go right back to business as usual. Oh, attacking yes. our democracy, attacking our personal freedoms. And that's what we have to be very mindful of going forward. Yeah. And, and you tweeted um, that a vote for George Santos is a vote to cut Social Security. Talk a little bit about that and uh, Democrats well, focusing in on economic well, you know, issues as Republicans have now revealed what they're going to do. You know, it's so interesting you bring it up because the biggest discussions I have with our team is I keep making them triple check everything because I find it incredulous that someone especially someone who's openly gay would behave this way towards the gay community, 
But just to triple check his statements, because it's I'm incredulous that he would actually say these things. And here's a perfect example. Two years ago, he was advocating on his website when he first ran for Congress, privatization of Social Security. That means ending it as we know it. That just basically breaks the, breaks the program apart. Just think about people having to depend upon the stock markets or the economy for their retirement funds versus the guarantee they get under Social Security. And so I confronted him on this in the debate, to which he responded, I never advocated that. And I kept, you know, it's just, and didn't, by the way, I think he could have passed a lie detector test, much like Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, it's so true. And, and you know, the issue of uh, the environment and climate change, so important to people on Long Island, so important to people in your district. Yeah. Uh, you received an endorsement from the Sustainable Energy and Environment Coalition. Uh, you Club. Yeah. Talk National a little bit about that issue and how it's so important to people in the district. You know, what's interesting to me is I find it astounding that we're even debating whether we're in a climate crisis. I've asked my opponent, uh, George Santos, several, multiple interviews, do you in fact recognize we have a climate crisis? And in multiple, several debates until he canceled all the debates, he would not even acknowledge there's a climate crisis. His answer is just drill for more oil. And the answer is in oil and gas. Now, I must tell you, in the short term, I understand the need for oil and natural gas. But the reality is, we have to make a commitment. One, to recognize, respect the fact there's science and we're living in a severe climate crisis that's impacting our health and our national security. We've got to make a commitment to address it. And I have to tell you, this, I really do believe, and Michelangelo, hopefully I'll come back on as a congressman-elect, I do believe there's an opportunity for bipartisanship here because Virtually every, every neighborhood in our country has been impacted by severe weather. And the district I hope to represent, small businesses have been destroyed. Homes have been uh, flooded, destroyed. People's personal assets wiped out. My goodness, in the borough of Queens uh, and the remnants of Hurricane Ida, 11 people died living in basement apartments. And so we have to recognize one, first, the, the fact we have a climate crisis, and we've got to really make a concentrated effort to invest in renewables and make sure we have the grid and the infrastructure to be able to power the renewables. And frankly, I give the Biden administration great credit for putting together the largest investment of funds in clean energy union jobs in the history of our country. It's a real achievement. And I think we also have to expedite the permitting for solar, wind, and hydro. That's going to be very important. We're not going to get there overnight, but we're going to get there because there has to be a commitment to get there. And as long as you have people who are not even, people who are just MAGA devotees, uh, MAGA advocates who don't even recognize we have a climate crisis, we'll never reckon, we'll never get to that issue. We'll never mm -hmm. get to any sort of energy, uh, any sort of uh, renewable po policies or any sort of effort to deal with the climate crisis. It's a very personal issue to my district, to me personally, it's a moral imperative. You have fought for so many causes. Uh, you've marched for civil rights, as we're talking about environmental justice as well. And you've also been very candid about struggling uh, with coming out, growing up and being a closeted gay man and, um, you know, the homophobia in society that kept you closeted and you came out uh, late in life, even after you were fighting uh, for many of these other causes. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's really interesting. It's not, I don't know if it's interesting, but it's, it's 
just let me take you through the process. I don't often, I didn't really, I don't often talk about it. I talk about it now as a bit of a candidate because I want hopefully other people to learn from what I experienced or at least uh, understand what life was like then and God willing, we'll never go back to those times. I grew up in the seventies as a closeted gay kid in the Long Island suburbs. And frankly, it was a lovely community and a wonderful town and I'm grateful for my life, but it was also a very isolating, lonely time in that there really weren't, in the suburbs especially, places to go, people to relate to, uh, environments to hang out where you could have open conversations. And I mean, I, I used to literally hang out at the local diner in Great Neck on Friday nights because I was afraid to tell my folks. I was embarrassed to admit I didn't have a date for the high school dance or a date for the weekend. So I just sort of, and in fact, I went to see one educator who retired who I trusted and he suggested to me, I try um, seeing a doctor who can make me better. Now he's referring to conversion therapy at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously I didn't do that, but when you're young, it's hard, it's kind of hard to shake the idea that maybe you're sick and carry that with me along. I didn't try to pretend to be straight. Um, I, you know, I, over time I realized who I was and I felt if I didn't speak out for myself in the sense of proudly discussing who I was, I was acting like it was something to be ashamed of versus something to be proud of. And so over time, you know, my close friends knew, family members knew, uh, and I became very, you know, I always advocated for the LGBTQ plus agenda because it was the right thing to do. I was, I, in fact, I took on the Obama administration for not moving more aggressively on marriage equality. Mm -hmm. I went after them on the air and commentary about it. But I started also discussing my personal life because I felt it was important to just be out proud and so people knew uh, what I went through and hopefully they would understand we don't want to repeat those days. And I'll tell you something, Michelangelo, I'm approached by so many young parents worried about their children, worried about their children's future because of we're seeing a, a new a new generation being afflicted with this don't oh, the don't say gay legislation. Yeah. We've and, got we've got not just Florida and the states, but we now have a whole group in the Republican Party in Congress that wants to push right. a federal don't say gay bill. And it's just uh, the way and the way you see. Our, our transgender youth being talked about in the media, the way they're being dismissed and mocked is really the worst kind of hate. And uh, what used to happen for those who are openly gay years ago, we've mm -hmm. got to be particularly conscious of that and make sure, and let me tell you, I fought those fights. I lived those periods of pain and isolation. I'm not gonna let another generation be pushed back in the closet on my watch. It's just not gonna happen. And so there's a commitment there that I think so many people have. And, and it's great to know that in this fight, we're, we're not alone, we're really stronger together. And for so many folks who are out there feeling isolated, they should know there's a lot of folks out there who are standing with you with love and support, that's for sure. Well, I have really appreciated uh, this conversation and, and enjoyed having you back and have having you uh, talk about all these issues in the campaign. And, oh, and uh, thank you. I, I do want to have you back when you are the congressman elect and, and the congressman. Let's talk more about that. As I well. really appreciate it. And thank you for being such an important platform for so many of us. It really it really is so important and so empowering. And 
I know I speak for a lot of folks when I say thank you very much for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Robert Zimmerman, congressional candidate running for New York's third congressional district. You can go to Zimmermanforcongress.com, check him out, help him out. The race is tight. Everybody needs the help. And of course, at Zimmerman4NY on Twitter as well. 